the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is SRN. Faith Talk 570 WTBN Pinellas Park and 910 WTWD Plant City. It's time for Verse by Verse. Sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. Knowing that someday the world's going to see this is what you really have been like all since your conversion, you don't want to live like a worldling lives today. You don't want to be embarrassed. You don't want them to say, you? Really? I didn't know that. Everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself. You want to live as consistently today as you most possibly can. There ought to be nothing more embarrassing for the professing Christian than to hear a comment such as, You're a Christian? Wow, I never would have guessed. When I was a brand new believer in high school, one of the accountability kinds of questions we used to hear was, If you were accused of being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? Hello and welcome to Verse by Verse with Pastor Steve Kreloff. Pastor Steve is the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. He is taking us on a learning adventure focused on true spirituality. Our text is Colossians chapter 3. Children's parents have a profound impact on the way their children live. The children of business tycoons live lives totally different from those of homeless people. Aside from our physical parents, every person on this planet is either a child of God or a child of Satan. The children of God and the children of Satan live vastly different lives. Let's get started now and see what else we can learn about having victory over sin. Here's Pastor Steve. Romans 12:2 speaks about being transformed by the renewing of your mind. Your mind matters. Paul says in Philippians 4:8, whatsoever things are true, think on these things. You think about them. the word that he uses in Philippians 4:8 is meditate on them. Don't just memorize a verse. Memorization is only a bridge to meditation. Meditate on the Word of God. So that's the first thing. Now, having said that, the second thing is this. Stop thinking about yourself. Stop thinking about your problems. Uh, We all have heroes. Some of us like Michael Jordan. I like pastors. And um, I'm reading um, a biography of one of my heroes, a man by the name of D. Martin Lloyd-Jones. Lloyd-Jones was a medical doctor, he's a Welshman, and uh, he's converted to Christ, and he's a very well-known medical doctor in England. In fact, he was the um, one of the physicians for the Queen of, of England. He left that to become a pastor and a Bible teacher, and in my judgment, it's the finest expository preacher that I have ever read. He was a man who had keen insight, not only into the word of God, but into people. And I'm reading a chapter now in which it speaks about his pastoral counseling. Listen to to what he had to say concerning your mind and thinking. This is what a a Christian writes who went to see him about a, a particular problem. 
This person writes, I was converted young. All seemed to go well in, uh, until my 20s when I was assailed with blasphemous thoughts, which plagued me day and night for some years. Several ministers advised me to trust the Lord or pray about it, but the more I did so, the worse it became. I seriously contemplated suicide. It was at this juncture that I asked the doctor, he's known as the doctor, not only because he was a medical doctor, but also a preacher. I asked the doctor for help. He did not help me until he was satisfied that I was a Christian. He then diagnosed my problem immediately. He advised me, rather surprisingly, not only never to think about my problem again, but never to pray about it either. I was not really praying, simply reminding myself of my problem. Can you relate to that? You want to, you, you think you're bringing your cares to the Lord, but really you're just reviewing the problem all over again. Lloyd-Jones said, don't think about it again. Don't even pray about it. But he said this. This person writes, the next week, things became infinitely worse. I returned in distress to the doctor who said he had expected it. It was proof that Satan was behind it all, seeking to take control of my thought life. He added a warning not to let Satan do so with any other problem whatsoever. I thank God that the doctor gave me that advice, the best pastoral advice I ever had. Satan was crushed under my feet and remained so after all these years. I still wonder at the doctor's extraordinary insight, unquestionably God-given. The advice um, others had given had led me into the grossest bondage. Now, I know where Lloyd-Jones got that. He got it. One place is Colossians chapter 3. Set your mind on things above. Stop thinking about your problems. Stop thinking about yourself. Like Nike says, just do it. You say, well, how can I do it? You have resurrected life within you. What do you mean, how can you do it? You take off the old by refusing when a thought crosses your mind. That's temptation. Refuse to let that thought cross your mind the second time. And you then take your mind and go on to Scripture and meditate on the truths of the Word of God. Thirdly, be careful what you think about when you have time on your hands. It's one thing to, to sit down and say, I'm going to memorize this and meditate on it, but what about when, when those times of daydreaming come? That free time, that's where you must discipline your mind to be geared to the truth. Don't think about other things. Number four, pray for Christ-like heavenly values in your life. And I think this is what Paul is implying at the end of verse 1, where he says, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. In other words, the resurrected, exalted Christ is in heaven at the right hand of God the Father, ready to answer the prayers of, of God's people as they seek the things above. That is to say that I come into his presence and I say, Lord, I am struggling in this area. I, I want I want." The, the virtue of holiness in me and compassion. I don't have much sensitivity. I'm struggling with purity. I'm struggling with this. And the Bible says that he is at the right hand of God the Father and he is ready to answer your request. In fact, Jesus spoke about this. Let's look at John chapter 14. In John chapter 14, Jesus is telling his disciples that he's about to, to leave them. He's going away, but he doesn't want to, uh, to leave them uh, hopeless. So he says, for example, in verse 2, In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you, for I go to prepare a place for you. That's the context. I'm going away. I'm going to be in heaven. I'm preparing a place for you. And then he goes on to say, I'm going to come back for you, take you to myself. But what about the meantime? What do I do in the meantime? Verses 13 and 14. 
And whatever you ask in my name, context, I'm away. But whatever you ask in my name while I'm away, that will I do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Of course, what he's saying is he's at the right hand of God the Father. All authority has been given to him in heaven and earth. You come to him and ask him to, to help you to have a forgiving heart. And he's going to do that. You come to him and ask you to have a, a ask him to have a, a pure mind and compassion and getting over abusive speech. And he's going to do that. That brings glory to the God, the father. That's what Christ is doing at the right hand of God. He is answering our prayers. At least that's one of the things he's doing. As you spend time with Jesus in prayer and in the word, then you know what? You will long for his values. You will long to be like him. That's one of the reasons why you must spend time in the word creates a thirst for his goals, his qualities. You see your own sin. You cry out and say, oh God, I'm not satisfied. I've got resurrected life in me, but I'm, I'm living a different kind of a life that I shouldn't. I long to be like Christ. So today, start memorizing and meditating on Scripture. Ask somebody to be your partner. Stop thinking about yourself. You make a choice. You'll be tempted, but temptation is not sin. The first thought is not sin the second thought is number three be careful what you think about in your free time don't cultivate the wrong kinds of thinking and number four pray for the lord jesus to give you his values the things that are above folks that's true spirituality that's living a resurrected life people who have been raised to a new life a new way of life Living out the new way of life at work, at home, at recreation, at school. That's being a Christian. That's what it's all about. That's why you don't need legalism. You don't need asceticism. You don't need mysticism. You don't need that, that junk. Because that's not going to do anything for you. Believers need to be determined to have their minds dominated by heavenly virtues rather than by the old worldly ways they used to live. So what have we seen? We've seen two keys to true spirituality. Key number one, the basis of it, you've been raised to a new way of life. Key number two, seek and think about that new way of life. It's not going to happen automatically. And number three, what's the reason for this? And, and verse three is really the flip side of verse one. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. The reason that you can live a resurrected life, Christ sends it is because you died to the old way of life. And that's what, that's what we looked at. Paul said in Galatians 6.14, I was crucified to the world. The world was crucified to me. I don't live like that anymore. You're dead. You're dead to the old way of life. Now, you're physically alive, but you're dead to the old way of life. I, um, I recently read about two sisters who lived a wild life before they were converted. Wild parties. And then they came to know Christ. And they got an invitation to another wild party. And in their RSVP, they, they said this. They wrote back and they said, we regret that we cannot attend because we recently died. <laughs> We're dead to that stuff. It's the old way of life. So that's what you do. I, I can't. I'd like to. Can't. I died. L let me put it this way. Let me illustrate it this way. And, and all illustrations fall short. When we speak about being united with Christ in his death and resurrection, that, that's hard to get a handle on. But I like to imagine it like this. It's as if God at the cross unzipped the body of Jesus Christ and he stuck you inside. And every person who would come to know Christ, he stuck you inside. And the moment you believe, that becomes appropriated by you. 
Now your life is hidden with God in Christ or with Christ in God. You're inside. It's hidden. Whatever Jesus has experienced in death, you experience that. He wasn't just the substitute for your sin, though he was. He also, you died with him to an old way of life. It wasn't that he just rose again on the first day of the week, though he did. It's that you rose to a new way of life in him. And your life is hidden. God unzipped Christ, stuck you in there, and your life is hidden. It's you're joined to Christ. And the reason that your, your mind and affection should be on the things above and not on the things of this world is that you have died to the old ways of this world. Paul says in Philippians 3.20, our citizenship is in heaven. You're a citizen of heaven. You're no longer a citizen of this earth. Peter said in 1 Peter 2.11, as aliens, just stop, you ought to abstain from the, from the lust of the flesh. You're aliens. You're dead. Verse 5, therefore consider the members of your earthly body as dead to immorality. Consider it so because it is so. Positionally, you have died. Therefore, you have a different kind of a life. Paul says it's one that is hidden. Now, what does he mean by that, hidden? I think basically there are two thoughts here. To be hidden in Christ means you're safe and secure. This life can never be taken from you. Someone asked me recently, uh, once we're saved, are we always saved? Absolutely. Your life is hidden. Who's going to take it out? Jesus said in John chapter 10, he said, my sheep hear my voice. They follow me. They'll never perish. Never perish. Your life is hidden in Christ. I think that's, that's the first thing Paul is saying. Safe and secure. Secondly, and I think this is his major point, being hidden means the world can't see what we really are. Can't see what we really are because it's hidden. And that's why they think, let's face it, they think that a, a Christian is just an oddball. Now, some of us would be oddballs whether we're Christians or not. But they think that we're oddballs. They, they think they understand our behavior. Uh, that it's just odd. It's just peculiar. But they can't really figure us out. You know why they can't figure us out? Because the reason we behave the way we behave and think the way we behave, uh, think the way we think, is because we're dead to the old ways and joined to, to the Lord in a new resurrected life. And that life is interested in heavenly virtues. We didn't just wake up one day and say, I think I'll follow this, this new philosophy. There was a change from within. Jesus said, let me read this to you, John chapter 15. Our Lord said in John 15, verse 18, Since the world hates you, you know that it's hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. We are in the world, the saying goes. We are taken out of the world. We're different. The world was taken out of us. You're different from the world, but they don't know why. They don't know why, and the answer is because your life is hidden in Christ. They don't understand that the changes that have occurred to you have occurred on the inside. All they look, all they think, they look at us and they say, oh, they're so, such fundamentalists. They're, they're so conservative. They're, they're so poor cold water on fun kind of people. And they think that they understand. They think, oh, that person got religion. How many times someone in your family said, oh, they got religion. They became religious, and now they try to live right. That's not it at all. We've been converted. We've been changed from the inside out, and our life is now hid 
in Christ. But someday, someday, you know, the world is going to know what we are. It's concealed today, but someday they're going to know that we're not just following a religious code. We're living out resurrected life. And that brings us to the fourth key, the true spirituality. The basis for it, raised to a new life. The means uh, for true spirituality, the means of it, seek and think about new life. And the reason for true spirituality, it is death to the old life. Now, the fourth key is the revealing of true spirituality. When will this be revealed to people? When will, when will others know what, what I'm really like? Verse 4, when Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. While the world now doesn't recognize that we're different because our lives are hidden in Christ, they will someday. And the someday that he's talking about is the return of Jesus Christ. He's coming again to judge the nations, Revelation 19 says, and to establish his kingdom. And it says that he comes with the armies of heaven. Who are the armies of heaven? We're part of that. The raptured church, believers who have who have died and gone to be with the Lord. We're coming back with him. And it's at that point what, what Paul is saying. When Christ, who is our life, is revealed, when he's revealed coming from glory, then we also will be revealed with him in glory. Then the world will see us for who we are in our glory and splendor. They can't see the life within us. Then they will. It'll be revealed and our true spiritual condition will be displayed. Then everyone will know that the reason we were different had nothing to do with us and everything to do with what conversion is all about. Christ in us, the hope of glory. And you know what? This, this revealing is going to motivate us and does motivate us to live resurrected life today. I close with 1 John chapter 3. Listen to this. Don't close your minds. But 1 John chapter 3. John says, see how great a love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called children of God, and such we are. For this reason, the world does not know us because it does not know him. The reason the world doesn't really know what you're about is because it never figured out what he's about. Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet appeared as yet what we shall be. The world doesn't see what we will be like in, in perfection. We know that when he appears... We shall be like him because we shall see him just as he is. We're going to be perfected like Jesus Christ. But the motivation is found in verse 3. And everyone who has this hope, this hope of what? Being like Christ in perfection, fixed on him, purifies himself even as he is pure. Knowing that someday you're going to be revealed for what you are. You don't want to live like a hypocrite today. Knowing that someday the world's going to see this is what you really have been like all since your conversion, you don't want to live like a worldling lives today. You don't want to be embarrassed. You don't want them to say, you? Really? I didn't know that. Everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself. You want to live as consistently today as you most possibly can. So what have we seen? We've seen four keys to help us to be really spiritual, not pseudo-spiritual all centered around the resurrection. Listen, this is real. You can have victory over sin. Your homework assignment is to start memorizing and meditating Scripture. That's the, that, that really opens it all up. Memorize and meditate on the truth. Now, one of, one of my um, reasons for, for giving this message and not giving another message 
that would deal specifically with the resurrection is twofold. I know that if you're here today, you already know about the resurrection of Christ. But Paul says in Romans chapter 11 that we are to provoke, believers provoke unbelievers to jealousy. I hope that some of you who don't know Christ, don't even know what we're talking about, say, what kind of a church is this? Strange. Talking about Christ in you. I I just want to hear a resurrection message. He rose, let's go home, go out to eat, that's it. Uh, I I hope when when you hear these truths and you realize that believers in Christ have a different way of living have a different life in them, that Christ has changed them. Therefore, we have peace. We do have victory over sin. We do get along with other people. We do have marriages that work. I hope that you will be provoked to jealousy in which you will say, I want that resurrected life. I want that. And you can have that. You can have that when you repent of your sin. That means you turn from what you know to be wrong and trust Jesus Christ as the one who paid for your sin. Trust that his death is sufficient for you to go to heaven. Not his death and going to church, not his death and baptism, not his death and good works, but Christ and Christ alone. You are not good enough to go to heaven on your own. You are a sinner and sin must be paid for. That sin has been paid for in the death of Christ. And the resurrection proves that God accepted that that death and is satisfied with the death of Christ so that you need never have to pay for your sins. You simply trust what Christ has done. Once you do that, you're going to be have resurrected life within you, and you can live like this too. Well, I hear the cry of the baby, so it's time to end. Let's bow for prayer. That's our signal. If you'd like to speak to somebody about Christ, knowing him, I invite you to come up after the service. We have someone who will be waiting for you right behind the door that's near the organ. But you know, salvation and conversion can occur at any time. It can occur while you're sitting in your pew. It can occur while you're walking to your car today. It can occur this afternoon. It's not a magical thing that you have to come forward in church. You can be regenerated, which means God gives you life right where you are. The Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I urge you, in Christ's name, to call upon him to save you. And and Christian friend, you need to start thinking about the things that are above. You need to discipline your mind to dwell on those things that are heavenly in virtue. You need to do that or else you're going to be stuck in the mundane things of this world. Father, thank you that your word is so helpful. Thank you, Lord, that you haven't left us just doctrines to believe, but doctrines that change us. I thank you that Jesus Christ lives within us. We sang about that before. He lives. He lives within us. And Lord, may the life that's within us be moving us and and dealing with how we, we live out these heavenly truths. Lord, we have new life. Help us to have a mind that concentrates on new life, that, that lives out a new way of life. And I pray that you'll help each of us to take to heart these truths. I pray for those who may be here out of curiosity, may be here for a host of reasons. I pray that they might be provoked to jealousy. That they might want what we have and might have it in coming to Christ. For we pray this in his name. Amen. Amen. 
We're glad you could be with us today for Verse by Verse. Our teacher is Pastor Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. These programs are adapted from Pastor Steve's pulpit messages by Verse by Verse Ministries. We are a faith ministry made possible by the generous gifts of our listeners. If you would like to help keep us on the air, we have information about that on our website, versebyverseradio.org. While you're there, you'll find today's class and many previous ones on the website so that you can catch up on anything that you might have missed. We also offer a free podcasting service. That's versebyverseradio.org. To order a CD or cassette with this entire three-part message, call us at 727-239-0306. Have you ever seen a large tree being slowly strangled by a vine? The vine started out small, but gradually grew and increased its grip on the tree. Now the tree is in big trouble. But then the gardener comes along and makes one single cut at the base of the vine, and that's all it takes to save the tree. But the effects take a while to show up as the vine starves and the leaves gradually turn brown and fall off. When our gardener, Jesus, cuts the root of sin in our lives, the change takes time as well. It also takes some effort and discipline on our part because the vine's root is still there. And if we're not careful, it will regenerate and entangle us again. On our next Verse by Verse, Pastor Steve will begin a three-part message that will help us win our battle for purity. This is Jerry Pruden inviting you to be with us then. Deepening your faith. So many times we're not in position for our breakthrough because when we should be sitting and serving, we're searching. The blessings of God will chase you down. So you've got to be in position and say, you know what? I'm going to settle myself. I'm going to serve God. Faith Talk 570 and 910 WTBN. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.